Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 307. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2017, Certified American-Grown Flowers. The Certified American-Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American-Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. On July 23rd, 2014, I said this at the top of the Slow Flowers podcast. During the past year, I produced and hosted weekly episodes of this podcast with news and insights of the American-grown flower movement. The people who have been guests on this series have generously and passionately shared their time and knowledge. Our inspiring and straightforward dialogue has prompted thousands of listeners to return week after week, downloading the audio files to their various devices to listen in the design studio, in the flower fields, and wherever else they spend their days. The Slow Flowers podcast is now a must-hear medium connecting listeners across the country with creative and influential voices and exciting points of view. Thank you for joining me, and please get ready for the next 52 weeks of great conversations. We're in full bloom, so to speak, and there's an abundance of great information I'm eager to bring you. So that's how I pronounced the news of this podcast's one-year anniversary back in 2014 with 15,000 downloads and, as I said, 52 episodes to show for it. Here we are today celebrating the fourth anniversary of the Slow Flowers podcast, and by numbers alone, we've made some amazing strides. We have enjoyed 215,000 listener downloads and have produced 208 episodes. Behind the numbers are authentic relationships that have been formed, a community of like-minded kindred spirits who are truly trying to improve our floral landscape. We are making empowered decisions about how flowers are grown, brought to market, and incorporated into our designs, decisions that affect our branding and businesses in a positive way. Your participation in and support of all Slow Flowers projects is at an all-time high. With more than 715 members on slowflowers.com, with ever-increasing support and collaboration with many of our sponsors, with the explosion of involvement in American Flowers Week at more than 5 million impressions on social media during this year's campaign, with the media attention, not just about our program, but about flower farmers across the country, creating wholesale supply hubs and elevating the discussion about local flowers, and with this year's amazing Slow Flower Summit just occurring, well, we have so much to celebrate. Let's pop the cork and congratulate one another. Like a true community, your success equals my success. When the light is shined on one member, it benefits all members. When together we value interdependence over competition, that's what inspires me and I hope it inspires you. 
Four years ago, I started this tiny podcast wondering how I would ever fill the lineup with enough guests and stories to tell, imagining that eventually I would be scrambling to find people to interview week after week. Well, that has proven not to be the case, and it is pretty beautiful to acknowledge this accomplishment. My instinct for news tells me that the pool of voices to bring you as we inquire, inform, include, inspire, and instigate new thinking will not disappear. That's a promise. There's one more big accomplishment to share, and it is happening thanks to today's special guest. Please meet Travis Rigby, president and publisher of Wildflower Media, the parent company of Florist Review, Super Floral, and an extensive book publishing operation. Travis is also president of two companies based in Portland, Poster Garden, a portable display company founded in 1995, and Flowerbox, formerly Bloombox, an innovative flower vase company specializing in recyclable vases. Travis purchased Florist Review Enterprises and its suite of businesses in early 2016, with the sale closing on April 1 last year. So he has less than 18 months as a magazine publisher under his belt. He acquired the Topeka, Kansas-based business from Francis Dudley, the previous owner of 29 years, but I was amazed to learn that Florist Review is a venerable 120-year-old trade magazine. Even during his short period of ownership, Travis has made some exciting changes, including redesigning Florist Review with a larger size format, higher quality paper, and fresh graphics. With David Koch as editor and Kathleen Dillinger as new art director, together, the cover and inside content of Florist Review are catching people's attention. I began contributing articles to the magazine this past January, auspicious timing for me, because it coincided with the magazine's beautiful new format. As you'll hear in our conversation, Travis and I met through a mutual friend, the Uber networker Heidi Berkman of The Bloom Project in Portland, who incidentally you'll hear on this podcast in the not-so-distant future. Being the magazine junkie that I am, I was immediately fascinated to meet Travis and talk about the future of print media. The magazine world has undergone a huge shakeup in the past decade, as has all print, especially newspapers. But Travis and I found ourselves agreeing that there is a sweet spot for micro-niche publications that really drill down on a focused topic or serve a distinct audience, and that Florist Review had the potential to become the publication of choice for the mainstream floral industry. Of course, I'm not really in the mainstream, preaching local and seasonal flowers. But Travis saw something of relevance in the Slow Flowers platform, and he continued to say yes when I brought story ideas to the table. I hope you've seen some of those stories shared via social media, including a huge feature called Four Seasons of Floral Design, an 11-page feature about Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore and her collaboration with Maryland flower farmers Leon and Carol Carrier of Plant Masters. And of course, our recent gorgeous spread about American Flowers Week's floral fashions and the designers and farms involved in that. Now, thanks to a new partnership, more than 13,000 subscribers of Florist Review will read regular coverage about the slow flowers movement and the people who grow and design with local, seasonal, and domestic flowers. Beginning in August, next week, the Slow Flowers Journal will reside inside the pages of Florist Review magazine. I'm so excited to share this news with you, and I invite you to follow the links at our show notes to find more details, including a preview of what's inside, which I've shared at deborahprinzing.com for episode 307. So I've gone on long enough. Please join me in welcoming our fourth anniversary special guest, Travis Rigby. 
Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. I am so excited today to have my friend Travis Rigby on the line as my special guest. Hi, Travis. Hi, Deborah. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, you bet. And this is very special because this is our fourth anniversary episode. I cannot believe that the Slow Flowers Podcast has been cranking out wonderful interviews for four entire years. And so to celebrate, I wanted to have a special guest. So that's you, Travis. Well, I'm honored. Thank you so much. (laughs) So Travis is the president and publisher of Wildflower Media, and um, that is the parent company of Florist Review and other titles. And so I... um, I just wanted to introduce you and, and hear your story. Tell tell us a little bit about Florist Review, which I guess you're celebrating your 120th anniversary this year. So it makes four, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah, it makes the four year birthday looking pretty lame. So 120 years. <laughs> What's the story of Florist Review? How do you, do you know the history? Florist Review was originally started in Chicago um, 120 years ago, 1897. Um, It was in Chicago until um, Francis Dudley, the previous owner, brought it to Topeka, Kansas. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, at that point, uh, I guess we made that shift. When was that? I mean, how long did Francis have Flores Review? (laughs) You know, I wish I knew, but I think probably around 30 years. Okay, okay. And you're the new owner. You acquired the the whole business in... Early in 2016, as I recall, right? April Fool's Day, yep. <laughs> that is crazy because we met in April of 2016. Uh, he- Heidi Berkman of the Bloom Project in- mm-hmm. introduced us. And so you had literally, I remember that you said, I'm the new owner of Florist Review. And I kind of looked at you like, why? Why are you not doing it? You know, that's crazy. Um, so tell, tell me how that all came about. Uh, what's. I just outed you as a Oregonian, but um, you, you have, you're kind of a bi-coastal publisher, I guess. That's, That's true. Yeah. Today I'm in Florida, so, <laughs> um, but we'll be back in Oregon next week. So um, how did Flores Review get on your radar? And, and uh, I know you're a serial entrepreneur, so uh, you have bought and run numerous businesses, and this maybe just caught your eye, right? Yeah, well, originally um, I was I got my degree in journalism from the University of Utah. So journalism and writing I've always loved and been a part of, but I was sucked into corporate marketing early on, um, primarily for the money, as you know, journalists don't make a lot of money. And so um, I was led away by corporate interests, but my true love is uh, owning a business. So in 1994, I, I saved $6,000 and Started my little business out of my basement. Wow. Um, so $6,000 in a dream, I say. And um, uh, my current employer at the time supported me in that effort and um, started Marcom Design, um, which then evolved into Poster Garden through a partnership with uh, uh, Epson Portland there and um, had that business for 25 years. Now my brother is running that company. And, um, and I was thinking about retiring and, uh, thought that, uh, I loved the flower business. I, I liked the industry. Um, I had met Leanne Kessler at the Floral Design Institute and taken some of her classes just for fun. Um, and through that endeavor, I met, um, the owners of, uh, Bloombox who, uh, manufactured recycled or recyclable, 
um, flour vase containers. And uh, I bought that company as sort of a way to um, keep myself busy uh, after um, my brother took over the business and my partner retired and I wanted something to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, um, met Francis, uh, the, the previous owner of Florist Review, and um, because we were advertising with her okay, so and that- had a conversation with her. Yeah, let's just stop for a second. So Bloombox is sure. is a, a product that's you that is marketed to the floral industry. It's a describe what that is. So um Bloombox we bought and renamed it Flower Box. Oh Flower Box, and, right. And then we reinvented the box and uh, made the box waterproof, um, recyclable and had a built in recyclable liner um mm-hmm. in it where the previous one was made out of corrugated cardboard and had problems. In the um, workshops, mm. they they would sort of dissolve if they got wet, mm. which corrugated cardboard tends to do. Mm-hmm. So um, we wanted to solve that problem and and create a better widget, so to speak. So Flower Box was um, just an advertiser in Florist Review. Is that kind of how how it started? The, yeah, that's okay. that's right, that's right. And I met um, Francis at IFE and started having a conversation with her, and she talked about. Um, her business and what she was thinking about. And, and I asked her, you know, if, if she'd ever considered selling the magazine and, and she became very defensive. And <laughs> I think that um, probably she had been thinking about it and um, just did, thought I'd heard something. So what possessed you to, offer to ask that question? I love it. Well, cause she was talking about her business and uh-huh. that her daughter didn't want to take it over. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was sort of um, just curious, you know, mm-hmm. being the journalism background, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really have anything in mind. So I, uh, when she came back to me and, and said, what did you have in mind? I, I truly was just asking the question out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. But that conversation led to the purchase of the magazine, which um, which has been fun, totally wow. fun. Wow. So the parent company, Wildflower Media, is still based in Topeka, Kansas, and you've got mm-hmm. a, a crew there. What what is What does the whole business involve in terms of different channels. Florist Review is sort of your marquee flagship title in mm-hmm. terms of a monthly magazine, but you've got other titles and other operations there, right? We do. We um, we also have Super Floral Magazine, which um, talks to the mass market, um, florists, grocery stores, um, the distribution channels there, farmers that support them, um, sort of that, that um, other side of the mm-hmm. floral market, so mm-hmm. to speak. And um, and then we have several book titles, and we're continually um, looking for new book t- titles for uh, for the library. And we also, of course, resell other publishers' books. So we have one of the largest um, distributions of floral books in the United States. Mm-hmm. So you're you're um, acting like a bookseller and bringing titles to the floral industry that maybe are hard to find, or just you know just kind of curated in a way that people mm-hmm. get, maybe gets on their radar. And then Florist Review or Wildflower Media is also publishing its own titles is what you're saying. That's correct. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's that's yeah. That's amazing. And I, I see your catalog of books and I'm always impressed that you're adding new ones. And then you also have some classics and some more like I guess you'd say textbook type things that you'd see in floral design curriculum used by uh, students as well, right? That's correct. Yeah. In fact, we're just rewriting um, Floral Arranging um, and the Floral School book, um, both of which books needed to be updated and partnering with some really interesting writers there. And 
um, uh, also uh, exploring some um, uh, books titles with uh, some various designers, mm. uh, which I think will be really, really fun and interesting mm-hmm. to go down that path. Yeah, I think you're, you're ideally suited to do that. That's so cool. Well, talk about um, where you see Florist Review in the marketplace now in terms of uh, its role as, a, as sort of an information uh, hub and then also, you know, what's your editorial mission and what's your philosophy? So when I purchased the magazine um, almost two years ago, year and a half ago now, um, it was sort of your grandmother's Florist Magazine. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit old-fashioned, a little bit dated, all of the content came from Topeka, Kansas, all the photography, all of the writing, um, the general feel of the magazine was very Midwestern. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of my first goals for the magazine was to get writers and content from all around the U.S. and Canada and Mexico and Europe and Asia and really expand the voice of the magazine to be a much more encompassing and uh, really a, a better representation mm-hmm. of what's going on in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I remember in conversations with you, you had make, you had mentioned that there were sort of um, categories of readers that had maybe moved on and stopped subscribing because it was perceived as really focused on the brick-and-mortar floral retailer mm-hmm. and, and not the other important categories of floral. Is that correct? Or I'm paraphrasing what you've said to me before. Um, well, and I think that the magazine had gotten pretty stale. It was mm-hmm. it was pretty repetitive, and, and people had seen what was in there. So many of them had moved on, although we have heard from many of our loyal readers that they have stayed with us through all of the different variations of the magazine because they stayed loyal to the industry and wanted mm-hmm. to support the trade magazine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, we're grateful for those readers as well, but anxious to um, really show them a much broader version or much broader vision of yeah. the industry out there. Yeah. I mean, in just, I don't know, have you done your 12th issue? You've, you've had your hands on more than 12 issues, right? Since you started. I, ha- I have, <laughs> but not truly. Um, <laughs> Francis actually helped me run the magazine for the first three or four issues. Okay. And um, sort of let me get my feet wet, watch the process, um, sort of learn the players. And I really didn't get my hands on it fully until January 1 when I totally revamped the magazine. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, from that point on, I've really um, had a real hands-on helping develop content and reaching out to designers and events. And um, this year we developed a brand new uh, way of approaching the magazine, which is to, to uh, create themes. Mm-hmm. So every issue has a theme that's associated with it, which allows us to sort of explore a really interesting niche of the market and um, hopefully uh, get us into places that we wouldn't normally have thought about if we were just continuing on with the, the same um, storyboards that we had before. Oh, I didn't realize this. So the theming was new to 2017 that's amazing yeah yeah brand new i thought that that just just some of the topics that you've uh had as the centerpiece of those of the past several issues have been really um to me they indicate where your head is at and what where your heart is at in terms of this industry i mean to have an entire uh issue focused on multicultural uh weddings and ceremonies and how floral 
is a part of that. It was, I thought it was, I didn't realize that was the first time it had been done by Florist Review. Mm-hmm. That was phenomenal. Um, yeah. Well, we understand that, um, you know, you might come from a certain kind of background and never be exposed to another culture. And yet that happens in your market and you should know about it. And there could be a lot of business that comes your way once you've, you know, explored that path. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really opening your mind to the possibilities can open a lot of doors. That's cool. And just devoting a whole issue to the what is the creative process? I thought it was phenomenal. That was the March issue, I think, that when mm-hmm. we, I got to write a story about um, Susan McCleary of Passion Flower Events and about her creative process. But you devoted pages and pages and pages and different interviews uh, asking uh, floral artists what it meant to be put to put creativity, you know, at the top of their uh, mo <laughs> rather than mm-hmm. just just sales or something like that. Yeah, great. well, you know, production can kind of overwhelm florists. We we get into the motive. We just got to crank out the work and and keep pushing it out there. But when we allow ourselves to be creative and to put that out on, you know, an Instagram or Facebook or wherever you're marketing yourself, that um, you get to ex- share and express your style, and that customers who resonate with that come back to you. And so you get to do more and more of what it is that you really love to do because you got to express that creativity. And I think that's uh, um, something that uh, I, I just really enjoyed sharing with, mm-hmm. with the audience. And I think we got a really great response from it. Yeah, you basically gave people permission to uh, delve into their creative motivation and not just – I mean, it's that's acceptable in a trade magazine and a business magazine because of the industry we're in. Um, so you gave it kind of top billing and I think that it freed people up to know that that's okay. You know, they are artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so you've got these different themes and that ha- has that helped you diversify who the florist review reader is just because you've diversified the subject matter? Uh, cause you mentioned social media. I think you're really posting amazing images on, on Instagram and creating a presence in social media that maybe is new to the magazine, right? Yeah. Our Pinterest page has over a million hits a year. It's crazy how fast it's grown as we've, as we, as we've cultivated that wow. content. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then you're uh, like, I mentioned Instagram. I know every issue there's sort of a, an Instagrammer of the month. Uh, maybe it's called something else, but um, you're trying to mm-hmm. call out maybe best practices of some of the most successful floral folks uh, on Instagram, maybe just to inspire others to you know, use the tool. Well, it's true. Instagram is, is an amazing tool for florists and uh, it, it's really becoming one of the most primary focuses of marketing for florists. So sharing what people have done with Instagram, I think can help inspire you to do better at Instagram as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I mean, that's just one, let's look just one page, but there's so much packed into it. When people see that, I just, I always look to see who, who got highlighted that, you know, in any particular issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also a little self-serving because (laughs) um, those Instagrammers Instagram about us. So we like that. Hey, (laughs) Hey, it's the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So um, you mentioned the redesign. Talk about the new look for um, Florist Review, what you've 
radically changed. And I mean, I, I was just going to back up and say, all you have to do is go onto flourishreview.com and click on the past issues page. And this gallery pops up of, you know, chronologically working its way backwards, all the covers. And there is this very distinct period in time where we went from bouquets against a white background, very mm-hmm. kind of carnival colors, and then radically changed to more of this high fashion couture um, editorial kind of lifestyle look. And that is the point when you put your finger on the map and redesign the magazine, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty obvious. If anyone doesn't believe me, I will put the link in our show notes uh, <laughs> uh, for today's episode. And you can click through and just get a gla- at a glance. You'll see exactly what Travis has done. What... What did it take to do this redesign? And, and I know you're still kind of involved in rebranding, but what's the what what radically changed in, in January? So when I first bought the magazine, I sat down with all of the members of Florist Review and I said, "What are we missing here? What's what should we be doing? What is it that um, is going on in the industry that we're not hearing about? What what needs to be shared?" And they were so great about building this list of everything that they wanted to do and everything they hoped that the magazine would do. And, um, and then we went out to our advertisers and asked similar questions and to our readers and, you know, what is it that you want to see? What should the magazine be? And we heard things like, you know, the magazine's paper is sort of thin and it looks cheap and that the larger format for nicer images and let the um, design really breathe inside of the magazine. Don't mm-hmm. try to cram in so much stuff. And, and then the content, it needed to be much more diverse and, you know, all of the things that um, they came to us with and that the group had already kind of iterated. Um, you know, I sat down with the team and I said, okay, um, you're free to go off and create this. So um, all of the same people that had created the previous magazine are still there mm-hmm. and still working on the magazine. The staff hasn't changed. They've just been freed to go off and create something and share the messages that of, of, of what's going on out in the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have to say we've pushed a couple of boundaries um, with some European designers <laughs> and um, uh, and some covers that have been more provocative. The Art for Art's Sake was very different from any other magazine cover that we've mm-hmm. ever done. Was that but a, I, I, like a black and ahead. white? It was like a black and white photograph, photograph right? Right, with yeah. little highlights of color. But yeah, um, very, very different from anything that's ever been done before. Mm-hmm. But I think it got us a lot of attention. I think it got us a lot of respect from designers who um, had felt that the magazine had gone way off the deep end in, in terms of um, old fashioned and, mm-hmm. and not relevant. Um, so I, I think that we're kind of back on the radar for folks. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just really great to hear when we were at symposium, I had people just pulling me over and telling me how wonderful the magazine was and how excited they were. And, and I really have to, give credit to the team because they're the ones that really did the bulk of the work in making all of that happen. We have a wonderful new art director who um, she's just an amazing talent as Deborah, I know, you know, cause mm-hmm. you've worked with her with the, the, the new um, section in the magazine that we'll talk about. But um, uh, it's yeah. been, it's just been a lot, a lot of fun. Well, as a manager in, in showing that management style, um, that's pretty cool that, you know, you realize empowering people to 
you know, be experimental and to pursue ideas is sort of the way to motivate people to get excited. So I, I congratulate you for that, just as just modeling that behavior. Um, you do seem very open to ideas and you uh, are very responsive. I know that you're getting contacted all from people all, all over the country from all levels of the industry and you're you're just like a big sponge you're just taking it all in and trying to process whether you know that idea works for florist review or not it must be a little overwhelming <laughs> i thought you were gonna... <laughs> it can be for sure um our july issue um we had more content than we could put in there which is is so surprising to me because i just had no idea how much is going on in this floral universe mm-hmm. There's just so much creativity and so many events and and so many um, creative people doing all these amazing things that um, I had just had no idea that it was all out there. Yeah, we talked about that, and I I think I what I'm my gut tells me about that is that there was a very pent a pent up demand for a vehicle or a venue for people to uh, contribute photography and um, styled shoots and stories and that you almost just kind of turn on the green light and they're coming racing through, you know, the intersection now with all this stuff that they're offering you just because there really hadn't been an, another vehicle that, you know, wasn't, that was independent and that wasn't associated mm-hmm. with a business or an association. And you have, you, I call you the Switzerland of the floral industry. You, you are, <laughs> you are kind of like this, this, you, sort of a political person who you know is open to everything and will consider everything and um obviously the floodgates open and people are are coming to you now Mm. yeah we had um hitomi gilliam gave us some images that she had shot in bali as part of her um classes that she Mm -hmm. did there and um just beautiful amazing images that we could never have done on our own. And the fact that she shared them with us and mm. we were able to share them with our readers, it's just amazing. And, and that's just one example of many that have have come to happen mm. because we were able to uh, open our doors to folks and, and share that stuff. It's, it's, it's fun. Well, yeah, and it kind of is the new model in journalism. Let's be realistic. Um, nobody has the budgets to produce um, a photo shoot in Bali. I mean, I know that it just simply would have been out outside the realm of what you had capacity to do. And yet mm-hmm. um, you're providing this platform for those photos to be shared, which obviously benefits Satomi and her programs. And I kind of feel like, you know, I, I was a business writer for off and on for 10 years with a, a, a newspaper here in Seattle, Puget Sound Business Journal. And I always thought we're really a community newspaper. We're we just have a community that is the business community. Mm-hmm. And there's this sort of give and take that's a little bit different than uh, like a, a daily, you know, mainstream newspaper. And I kind of feel like Florist Review is, is really playing that role too. You're the, um, you're the newspaper or the, the media voice for an industry. And um, it's got, you know, it's sort of inclusive and mutually beneficial. And that's, probably what people have been hungry for some vehicle like that um and now you're you're opening up those doors 
I'm trying to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so far, it's been pretty successful. So I'm I'm definitely having fun doing it. Yeah. So do you have kind of an editorial philosophy or mission that that you uh, state, or is it kind of evolving? Well, um, Florist Review has always been about promoting florists and floral consumption. So whether it comes from the U.S. or from Mexico or from Africa, we want people to buy flowers, and that's always been a primary mission of uh, of the magazine is to promote floral consumption and florists and the business of mm-hmm. floristry. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely inside of that, we we have some room to play, but but overall, that's our agenda mm-hmm. is to is to really promote the industry. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you and I met. I started bringing you stories about. American grown and local floral projects and designers who were using uh, sort of local sourcing in their work. Um, Mm -hmm. And you were super open to that. And I just, um, I have to say that January issue, the opportunity to have that amazing story about Kelly Shore of Petals by the Shore and her four seasons of uh, working with a local farm in Maryland, that was, that was a, earth-shattering to me that you gave us 12 pages or something like that to well, tell the story. Well, I was just so grateful to Kelly Shore and those amazing images because it was just a beautiful shot, uh, or shoot, mm-hmm. a set of shoots, I mm-hmm. should say. And in um, the magazine, you know, that was when we were trying to launch this new vision of, of who we are. Um, it was just a great opportunity for us to share those images and to share those messages. Well, that sort of started our our friendship and our collaboration. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Here we are about ready to launch a new section only seven months later. And can we talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'll just give my version and then you give your version. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, Travis uh, and I have been talking o- over the course of a number of months trying to figure out how to work more closely together. Um, which I'm so grateful for because, as you said, Travis, you are promoting floral consumption, but you're also um, you're a keen observer of what's happening in the industry in terms of shifts and direction and topics. And you realize that this category of uh, what's happening in the farmer florist scene and the uh, local sourcing, kind of the, the what's happening with slow flowers, um, is all relevant to anybody in the floral industry it may not be the only way but it's one it's one approach and you wanted to include that more in the magazine so you offered as it turns out we we've we had lots of versions of this but we ended up with a a slow flowers journal section that's going to be a beginning august uh 2017 in florist review going to be a a sort of a standing section in the magazine and I couldn't be more thrilled. It's it's just such a great fit for what I believe in, and I think it's going to be a reader service. I hope uh, mm-hmm. as well. And and I agree. We're thrilled to carry it. We're we're thrilled to be a part of the slow flowers movement. And um, uh, while we still support and want to um, promote consumption of flowers um, internationally. We recognize that the trend right now is that there are so many florists that are growing their own flowers and it's part of their lifestyle and who they are. And when they can buy locally, they do. Um, I know that 
they also buy internationally when they have to, but there's uh, this balance and this sort of lifestyle that they espouse of um, being locally grown and part of the earth and part mm-hmm. of that, you know, that local organic thing that is so important to so many of them. And and I I, I know we've talked a little bit about this, but I, I believe a lot of it is about that lifestyle mm-hmm. of I want to... I want to be connected to the earth. I want to, I love flowers, you know, f- you know, that, that just that whole, um, connection to, um, yeah, nature and exactly. Yeah. And uh-huh. I also think that, I mean, it's sort of this push pull because you're talking about florists and their desire to have a more kind of mindful approach to their business. But at this, this must be like kind of a harmonic convergence with what they're clients and, and customers and, and couples that come to mm-hmm. them are requesting as well, because it, it this isn't, you know, this has been going on in different iterations for a while, but it right now it seems like there's a sweet spot and an opportunity for florists um, that maybe more than ever, because their clients are wanting to know where do these flowers come from as well, or can mm-hmm. it, can it reflect the seasons or, you know, was it, you know, a small, you know, boutique farm that grew these flowers or, you know, whatever. I, I feel like I hear all those terms uh, daily <laughs> in my conversations. Yeah. yeah. And I know you're a lot more familiar with it all than I am. But um, I know when we first started talking, I was sort of uh, mildly interested in the movement. It was out <laughs> there. I'd heard about it, you know, and then I kept hearing more and more and more. And I'm like, Tim, I think there's a trend out there about this. And then it was like, Wait, no, this is this is more than a trend. This is actually a business model. People are actually making a living doing this and and they're successful doing it. And, you you um, cracked you crack me up the time you sent me an email about three or four months ago and you're like, I think we should do a story about florists who want to grow their own flowers because every florist I meet is planning to start a farm. And <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's small or large, it seems like everybody now has some stake in the earth and, and what they're <laughs> yeah. doing there. Yeah, I, That was the moment, Travis, when I was like, okay, he's hooked. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, what, what we want to do is, um, you know, share this content with a, a, not only the existing Florist Review readers, but hopefully bringing in uh, new readers who haven't discovered the magazine, uh, who, you know, once you start, maybe you come subscribe to florist review to see what the slow flowers journal content is like you'll you'll get this all this other universe of uh amazing stories creativity and um you know in profiles and and features that will inspire your your business as well because florist review is pretty comprehensive so i feel like it's a good it's a good shared space to hopefully Mm -hmm. broaden the um the community of subscribers and not just subscribers, but maybe people who are bringing stories to us um, that we hadn't found before. So, I mean, what's your philosophy about that? How can people send in story ideas and um, submissions? Do you do they just email stuff to you, or like how? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the magazine, I put my email address everywhere. Um, you know, it's on my um, column and on my um, from the publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it when people reach out to me and share what they're working on or what they've heard or um, events that we haven't covered. Um, you know, we just did the art for art's sake, and the um, art in bloom is just a huge, 
huge movement with um, museums, and it's a great public outreach of floral consumption that the magazine has never covered. And so this this year was, um, I think we covered five or six different museums who have these great um, floral art uh, installations, yeah, yeah. and those all came from, a lot of them came from readers who had shared those with us and, mm. and that they were part of it. And so yeah. it's just, it's been fun. It's been fun to hear the outreach and the ideas. And so anytime, yes, please reach out. Good. Yeah. And I, um, I guess for this issue, the, especially with the August one, I've already sent out an announcement to um, my list, mostly of Slow Flowers members and friends. And um, we'll, we'll make it, available, the, the information available to the wider uh, base of listeners of this podcast in that uh, Travis has generously created a um, an offer, a subscription offer that is incredibly affordable. It's 12 issues for $21, which is 62% off the cover price. And I'll have the link and the toll-free number in our show notes so that if you're interested, you can um, subscribe. And I guess also there are there's an opportunity people ask for a sample copy if they're before like kick the tires before they commit. Is that yeah something you yeah, always do? Yeah, they can do? just go to the to the website and and um, request a free copy, and we're happy to send one out for you to check out. Mm-hmm. And this would be a good time to do it since it's going to be your inaugural issue <laughs> section. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love it. And just a note on that, you know, I, I appreciate having the themes in um, the issues because it does give me a little bit of uh, something to wrap my arms around as well. So um, in the, um, well, what is the theme for August? That's the 35 under 35, right? So that's, that's not quite, I didn't quite adhere to that, but the everything old is new again. (laughs) Everything old is new again, I kind of adhere to. Yes. And that that is very true. Yeah. That was sort of your secondary theme. But yeah. uh, September will be weddings, and mm-hmm. October will be parties and events, and multicultural parties and events. Yeah. Oh, multicultural parties and events. Okay, well that's yeah. makes sense. And then um, we have November is going to be Southern Charm, or what's that about? That's sort yeah, of- Southern hospitality. So we wanted to share sort of the gentility of flowers and in whatever that means to folks. So our European correspondents are going to be doing stories about how um, flowers and and gentility has sort of evolved from there and into the South. Hmm. Um, And, uh, and we'll of course have stories about um, the wonderful floral work that's being done in the South. That is its own voice inside the industry. And, and each region has its own little bit of flavor to that. Yeah. So lots and, Lots and lots. And, and next year, we're going to have uh, New York, um, Manhattan sort of style of design with um, an L.A. issue as well, sort of talking about how um, design is really different based on the region you're in mm-hmm. and um, hopefully exposing people to different styles and ideas from different regions um, will help the industry overall with more ideas. Oh, good. All right. You know what? I hadn't seen that list, Travis, so you're giving me some ideas already. That's super. Good. But then, Jan, is it is it December or January that's your big 120th um, celebration uh, for December. Florist December okay. is the actual anniversary of, of Florist Review, and we've got a very special cover coming up for that, which will be very cool. I'm, I'm excited for that reveal. 
I'd love it's just out of curiosity. I'd love to see what that first issue looked like. Do you have some old archival photos of uh, early issues? Are they even available? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And in fact, they'll be online in the next year. We're hoping so. All of our magazine library will be online and be searchable as well. So That's crazy. Uh, hopefully that happens. <laughs> Those early because we get so many requests for can you um, pull up information from 1973 or you know, 1920 or whatever. That's so interesting. I once had a, a, a writer for the Wall Street Journal style section ask me if I could tell her the hot flower of every decade for like the last five or six decades. And I was like, shoot, I have no idea. And then I said to her, you should pull up the covers of the floral trade magazines and just see what, what flower was showing up on that, you know, on those covers during the 80s mm-hmm. or during the 70s. And I don't know whether she ever did it or not, but now that these might be available online, that question would be easy to figure out. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Very fun. Well, anything else, Travis, that um, you want to talk about in terms of what you've got in your back pocket for, for coming up? Um, you're so entrepreneurial. I know you're cooking up a lot of different projects. I'm delighted to partner with you on this one. Um, but anything yeah, else you we, want to the, uh, we spent a lot of time on Florist Review, and, and hopefully it's on a, a solid path now. Super Floral will be revamped uh, in January of next year, so we're, we're going to be rolling out the new version of that magazine and, and lots of exciting stuff coming up for that. Um, we have opened an office in Miami now um, and have an editor and a salesperson down here because we wanted to be a part of that market. Um, Miami is just the center of the universe when it comes to mass market distribution, Mm. importing, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So that's really important to us. Um, I know it's not as important to your slow flower readers. Well, you know what, you know what, you're making me, we have had a couple conversations about super floral and how you Uh want to bring in stories of, Growers and farmers whose product is, you know, ending up at the at the mass market level, and there is a role for listeners of mm-hmm. slow flowers uh, or members who are already selling to their maybe their local Whole Foods or their regional chain, and there's their stories are are relevant to that audience too. So I think I think we need to d- delve into that and, and find some of those. Um, uh, kind of local stories as well as the international stories. And I think you're open I to agree. that. I agree. Absolutely. I would love to share those stories. And, and you know, we know from our work that there is a lot of um, mass market interest in buying local and being a part of that slow movement. And, you know, Travis, we can't afford to ignore, and, and I've had to tell this to myself, I can't afford to ignore grocery because I'm like so such a snob or something because – 50% of flowers sold in the U.S. are being sold through mass merchants. And so, like it or not, we might as well mm-hmm. try to influence that industry in a positive way mm-hmm. um, so their consumers get better quality flowers mm-hmm. or better designs or whatever. So I I think mm-hmm. that's going to be – And giving consumers a choice on whether to buy local. Yeah. I think that's going to – that Super Floral is going to be really interesting uh, rebranded because it's um, – there's so much potential there to mm-hmm. to tell you know really influential positive stories about success in that often ignored facet of floral. So I, I congratulate you for even taking that on. That's cool. 
Thank you. Yeah, cool. Well, um, I'm I'm thrilled that you're on as my guest, and I am thrilled that I'll see you in um, Homer, Alaska next weekend at the Field Today yeah, Center. <laughs> that's going to be a really fun adventure. I've never been to Alaska, and it'll be fun to see. It's fun to be in a field of peonies. I think Absolutely. your head will blow up. It's so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just delighted. For those of you who are listening, I just want to tell you how special it is for me to have Travis as a, a friend and a, and a professional colleague. And someone I, I really, um, I've learned a lot from and I'm excited to collaborate with. It's a new chapter for Slow Flowers to have a, a presence in a, a venerable trade magazine that's print. And, you know, print is so shaky right now that, you know, it's such a privilege to be in a magazine that is, is an artifact. It, you can hold on to it. You can ca- you line them up on your bookcase and, and refer back to them and, it's hard to curl up with a Kindle, but it's nice to curl up with <laughs> nice to curl up with a beautiful magazine. So I'm just thrilled. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm hoping to be part of the Kindle universe soon as well. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> but the magazine will always continue. I love print. I'm I'm totally dedicated. Yeah, I get you. I get you. You are. I think it's so cool that you have this had this personal interest in journalism from your your college years and your your you know you're a fabulous writer. Anyone who wants to know that just has to read your columns and that you had this interest in floral and, and studied floral design. And then, you know, even as maybe just a hobby, but um, I'm curious, are you ever going to feature any of your designs in florist review? (laughs) You know, actually the best thing about my coming into the magazine is that I don't have floral background. Ah. Uh, I think it's really freed me of the politics and the background and all of that to be a little bit more open-minded when I'm when I'm chatting with folks because I know you know the longer that you're in an industry the more you tend to carry the knowledge that you've brought along with you mm-hmm. right. <laughs> good, good or, or bad right right <laughs> yeah so a little bit of the outsider perspective uh, inquiring and and uh, poking holes in traditions that everyone's holding on to it, it's not that's a good thing yeah yeah cool travis thank you yeah so, so much. no no none of my designs coming up sorry <laughs> well that's all right i i i know you're an avid gardener so i i know you're getting your flower fix in different ways absolutely uh so for um this episode show notes uh i'd love to show some um past you know spreads from inside the magazine and um uh, past covers and um of course get people uh, excited about clicking over to subscribe and join both florist review and the new slow flowers journal in the future uh, with your ideas. And so Travis and I are here for that. And I, I'm so glad you were willing to get on the line with me, Travis and record this, this episode. It's just, it's really special. Well, I'm really grateful, Deborah, And I, I really owe you a a great debt. The uh, knowledge that you've given me and the partnership and, uh, it's just been a, a real pleasure to know you. Oh, back at you. All right. I'll see you in Alaska. And thank you so much for being uh, on this special episode, Travis. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Deborah. Uh-huh. Thanks again for joining me and for helping me celebrate all the good Slow Flowers news of this podcast's significant fourth anniversary. If you want to get more involved, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you, and you can use the contact button on the homepage of DebraPrinzing.com to send me a note. 
Join the Slow Flowers community on Facebook and share your story of this ever-changing ethos to source domestic American-grown flowers and support flower farmers as well as adopt a more mindful, sustainable lifestyle for you and your business. Check out the special subscription offer that Florist Review has shared, 12 issues for $21, which is 62% off the regular cover price. And I promise you that you'll find inside each Slow Flowers journal, our mini magazine, the stories, news, and resources important to you. As I mentioned, the Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded nearly 215,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you to each one of you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you value the content you receive each week, I invite you to show your thanks and support the Slow Flowers podcast with a donation. The button can be found on our homepage in the right column. Your contributions will help make it possible to transcribe future episodes of the podcast. Thank you to our family of sponsors, Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality, American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at lfgardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Mm-hmm.